0: I want to invite you to open up your Bibles today to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We are going through the book of Ephesians together, verse by verse, and we're in the fourth chapter where the Apostle Paul is writing the church in Ephesus there in the first century. And so far, kind of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is we've talked about how the Scripture teaches us that when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that He makes us a new creation. All right, we become a new creation in Christ. And because of that, because we trust in Christ to become a new creation, we now have two natures. I need you to hear that. It's two natures. We have an old nature that was ours before Christ. It's who we were, our old man, old self. And Paul exhorts us, take that thing off. Take off the old nature. And then he tells us because of Jesus has made us a new creation, we now have a new nature. And that new nature is created in the image of God. It looks like God, acts like God. And he says that we are to put on that new nature that's ours in Jesus. And then what he's doing in chapter four, church, is he gives us five examples of what it looks like. When you have put on that new nature and you're walking in the spirit and you're walking in that new nature. There's five very kind of applicable, specific examples that he gives us. And so far we've looked at two. Um, let's read these together. We're going to look at the third one today. Um, verse uh, Ephesians four twenty four. Paul says, and put on the new self, that's what I was just talking about, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, he says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That's the first example he gives us of what it looks like to walk in your new nature, as you're going to be a truth teller. You're going to be a person that doesn't deceive with your language. And then he says in verse 26, what we talked about for two weeks there, second example, he says, be angry. That's a command. Be angry, but do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. We talked about the last couple of weeks that a person that's walking in their new nature is a person that's slow to anger and quick to forgive. All right, now verse 28 gives us the third evidence that you're a person that's putting on the new nature, which is yours in Christ. Let's read together, verse 28. Paul says, let the thief, let the thief no longer steal. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, what Paul just told us is this. This is the third evidence that your person that's been saved is walking in the new nature that you stop stealing and you start being generous. Now, here's, here's the thing about this particular verse. We talk about truthfulness. Most of us can say, yeah, I wrestle with that at times. We talk about Being a forgiving person, slow to anger, we think, yeah, most of us, we deal with that. Most of us in this room, when I read that to you, um, let the thief no longer steal. The vast majority of you in the room probably immediately thought, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, Because the overwhelming majority of you have never broken into a house and sold stuff. You've never gone into a store, stolen something from a store. And so you don't think about yourself as a thief, but what we're gonna see biblically here is that at some level, this is something that probably more of us uh, struggle than we realize. Okay, and here's what I mean. The Bible teaches us, and the Bible shows us that there are two kinds of thieves. And the Bible has two different words in the Greek it was written in to describe those two different kinds of thieves. The first kind of thief is, comes from the Greek word, hakleptos, hakleptos. That's somebody that physically takes something that is not theirs. You walk into a store, you shoplift, you, you break into somebody's house, you take their stuff, you steal a car, you rob a bank, all right, that's a hakleptos, just a regular old thief. And again, I would assume the vast majority of you are not a hakleptos because you're not in jail, you're in church, all right, so it's a good sign you may not be struggling with that. If you are, come talk to our police officer sitting right over here at the end of the service. There's another kind of uh, thief that the scripture talks about, and that's one that a lot of us can probably uh, relate to, and that is a haklepton. Now, haklepton, the Bible describes as a person that necessarily takes something physically that isn't theirs. But somebody's a haklepton is a person that steals through misappropriation. You steal through misappropriation, and misappropriation is when you you take something that was meant for one thing, but then you use it for another. Okay, the Bible calls that stealing. And Christians often justify, Christians often justify the sin of misappropriation because a lot of times it falls into these gray areas. will give you a couple of examples. Sometimes we steal through misappropriation and how we spend our times in the workplace and our jobs. It's, uh, it's, it basically means this, that you're on the clock, but you're not really working. All right? You're on the clock, but you're playing Candy Crush. You're... Y'all laugh like y'all have done that before. You're on the clock, but you, you're, you're looking at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You know, the boss thinks you're working, but you're really doing something else. You're getting paid to do a certain task, but you're doing something altogether different. That's, biblically speaking, misappropriation. The Bible calls that stealing. Um, things like expense reports. Um, Expense report, you, you char, you're charging something to your employer um, or you're getting paid back for something from your employer that may or not be for the company, but it might be for you. Okay, that's misappropriation. The Bible calls that stealing. Uh, taxes is a tough one. I've talked to so many Christians over the years that because there's so many gray areas and loopholes and things like that, they find, they look for ways not to report all their income. It's, and it's the government, right? So who cares? But Jesus said render unto Caesar's, or render under Caesar rather, what is Caesar's? Okay, the Bible would define that as stealing because it's misappropriation. Now again, maybe after I listed those, some of y'all are like, well, yeah, none of that still applies to me, um, because I'm in college, I don't make money, I don't pay taxes, so I can't steal them. um, But but there is, there's a couple that probably hits a lot more of us. Think about our finances, our finances. We would probably never think of the way that we spend our money as misappropriation, but the, the scripture often does, um, because you would be, church, you would be very hard pressed. You would be very hard pressed to make an argument that the Lord does not require you to take a, or ask you, require, however you want to use the language, to take a portion of your income and set it aside for his kingdom. I mean, you would be hard pressed to make that argument, that God didn't want you to do that. And we can argue percentages. We can argue um, before taxes or after taxes, but there really is no biblical argument that the Lord doesn't want you to use the money that he's given you for his kingdom, at least a portion of it, right? And yet study after study after study, whether it's Barna or whether it's Lifeway Research, whatever shows that 80% of evangelical Bible-believing Christians don't ever give a dime of the income God gave them to the expansion of the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. I, 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 what that's saying is that at least eighty percent, if the statistics are right, eighty percent of us are consumers. We're consumers and and not generous. Okay, and if the Lord commands that we take a portion of our income and give back to Him, and He does, and we are not, that's in a very real sense misappropriation. It's stealing. And a lot of times in the scripture, the Lord, when folks are doing that, when they're misappropriating the, the, the money that he has designed for them to give to the kingdom, he, he calls that stealing, but he not only says that you're stealing, but the Lord often says to them that they are stealing from, from him. Okay, that's misappropriation. Now, what about this one? What about this one? And this is where it really starts hitting me. What about stealing glory? What about stealing glory? Have you ever taken something, or rather, have you ever taken glory that was due to the Father and and taken it for yourself? In in, uh, 1 Corinthians 16 28, this is a great verse. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. In verse 29, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory that is due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So what's what's God asking us to do there? Well, here's, here's the thing. The, to glorify something means that you bring it into focus. To glorify something means you take something that cannot be seen and you reveal it, you show it, you bring it in near. That's what it means to glorify something. How often, church in your life, do you, do you magnify and glorify and bring into focus and show and reveal not what the Lord has done, but you seek to magnify and glorify what you have done. The, the Bible in a very real way would define that as stealing because it's misappropriation. What about worship? What about worship? Have you ever given um, your worship to some person or to some thing in a greater degree, in a greater measure than you have the Lord. Psalms uh, 24.3 says this, says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and he who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. Just right, so when you lift up your soul, when you, when you offer your affection, your heart's affection to something or some person to a greater degree than you do the Lord in a very real way, that's misappropriation. The Bible would say that's stealing. And so most of us, and I know I was like that when I first read this, but when I heard this, most of us think, let him who steals, steal no longer. You thought that doesn't apply to me, but the reality is, is that all of us in this room more than likely to some degree thieves and maybe we just realized it but see that's the that's the thing about the beauty of the cross of jesus that's the thing that's amazing about the blood of jesus is the gospel of christ not only forgives us of the sins that we know we're committing but the blood of jesus is applied and forgives the sins that we didn't even know we were committing and so no but now that we know Now that we know, let's go back to what it is that the scripture tells us it looks like when we walk in the new nature, Ephesians 4, 28. The scripture says, let the thief no longer steal. Let the thief no longer steal. Okay, but we're gonna look at the rest of the verse because the rest of the verse describes kind of what it's gonna look like when you're walking in the new nature, you're not just gonna stop stealing, watch what it says. It says, let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor, rather let him labor. We're to go to work, doing honest work with their own hands. But it doesn't stop there. It says we do all that, we stop stealing, we go to work, doing labor with our own, own hands. Why? So that, so that he may have something to share with anyone that's in need. Okay. First thing Paul says is, Let the thief stop stealing. But he doesn't stop there. He says, Let the thief stop stealing, then let him do an honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share. Now, church, what the Bible's saying is this hear this. That the full progression of a Christian, that the full progression of someone that was once walking in their old nature, and is now walking in their new nature, the full progression is not somebody that was once a thief, but then stopped stealing. Okay, the full progression of a person uh, going from the old nature to a new nature is a person that was stealing, now is not stealing, and is working, but isn't just working, but now has become generous. Okay, some people, some of us, some people steal in order to take. Some people... Work in order to take. The full progression of a believer is when you become someone who works in order that you may give and be generous. The mark, he's saying the mark, the evidence of a person that is a new creation in Jesus is the person that goes from stealing to generosity. Okay, that's the heartbeat of the verse. The heartbeat of this verse, what Paul is trying to say, new nature means this. As you go, you are transformed from a person that's a taker. And now you are a giver. He says in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that you may have something to share with anyone in need. That's what he's saying. Third evidence that you're walking in the new nature, generosity. Stop stealing, become generous. Now, here's a question. This is a real short sermon, by the way. Here's the question that I want to answer today before we're done. Why is generosity a mark of our new nature? You know, why, why is generosity, why does God make that one of the marks of our new nature? Okay, so far Paul's given us three examples of what it looks like when we're walking in a new nature. We're truth tellers, we're slow to anger and quick to forgive, and we're generous. Why is generosity in that list? Well, you remember, church, that in the beginning it says that our new natures are created in the image of God. Our new natures that we put on are created in the, new, uh, in the image of God. And so when, you, when you're putting on your new nature in a very real way, you're going to act like God, you're going to be looking like God because that's who He is. And so how does the Scripture define God's generosity? How generous does the Scripture say that God is? Well, in 2 Corinthians 8-9, it gives us a glimpse of just how generous God is toward us. In verse 9, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So it says that God was, or rather, Jesus was rich. He was. He was in glory, He was in heaven. He was rich and then he left glory. That's what Christmas is all about. He left the riches of heaven, came to this earth, wrapped himself in our impoverished, messed up flesh, walked around for 33 years in the dirt, was a son of a poor carpenter. He left riches, he became poor. Why did he do that? So that you in your poverty, in my poverty, in our spiritual poverty may become rich. Okay, that's not generous. That is radical generosity. And then he goes on in in John chapter three, verse 16, which is a verse that hopefully you have heard before. It says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Let's do it again. He what? He gave. What did he give? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. When you give, when you give your only son to go and die, to pay for the sins of others, that's not generous, that's not generosity, that is radical generosity. And church, listen, you were created in that image. Our God is radically generous, and that is the image that you bear when you put on the new nature. I had a um, how many of you guys just I'm just curious. This has nothing to do with me. How do you all are y'all on Twitter? Would you raise your hand? Own it, just own it. Seven of you. Awesome. Great. Okay. Um, I, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Twitter. And um, and, and Twitter's interesting. I I read I read tweets. Most of the time, i found that stuff just kind of goes one ear and out the other. A lot lot of them don't impact you, just, you know, normal, you know, girls talking about what they ate for lunch and stuff, but I mean, it's just normal stuff. But I read a tweet the other day that just stopped me in my tracks, and I don't think it's any accident that it was this week when I read it because it just has, it's such a great job of, of uh, describing the generosity of our God. I, I've got the tweet. Let's, do we have the tweet? Can we, there we go. This is my buddy, Steve Besner. He's just this awesome, mild-mannered, godly pastor in Houston. And he said this. He says, sometimes I joke about what I would do if I had one day left to live. Eat junk, go crazy. Which remind me of Kevin from Home Alone. You know, he just ate junk, went crazy or whatever. He said, but today it hit me, Jesus knew. And he washed feet. And that tweet just stopped me in my tracks. I'd never thought about that—that Jesus knew He had one day left to live, folks. He knew. He knew He had one day left to live, and how did He spend His time? He spent that twenty-four hours of the last day of of His life before the cross, and and there was not one ounce of His being that was a taker. He just spent the day giving. He gave of His time. He gave of His service. And he eventually gave his life. There is nobody more radically generous than our God. And when you are walking in your new nature, you are walking in a nature that was created in that image. There's nobody more generous than our God. And so when you're walking in the new nature, you too will be radically generous. Now... Here's the thing I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. God designed it that way, that we would put on the new nature, we would be truth-tellers, we would be forgivers, and we would be generous in our new nature, creating His image. He did that, listen, not just so that we would look like Him when we do it, but that when we look like Him when we do it, others could see us doing it and know what he looks like. That's why the scripture calls us to walk in a new nature, not just so that you'd look like God and be godly, that's part of it, but that the world could look at us and see what it is that our God looks like. I mean, think about it. When you tell the truth, you are going to stand out. It is not the norm in our culture to be a truth teller. Why? Jesus said Satan was a liar. And Jesus said that he was the way and the truth and the life. He didn't say he told the truth. just said, I am the truth. And so when you're in a situation and, it, and your brain would, would really hurt to tell the truth, if, if you're in a situation where you think it would benefit you to lie, and in that moment you put on the new nature and you tell the truth, you're going to stand out. You're you're gonna be radically different in that moment and people are gonna notice there is something different about you. And listen, not only are you being, listen, not only are you being godly in that moment, but in a very real way, you're displaying God. You're displaying God. Um, When you're slow to anger and quick to forgive, being slow to anger and quick to forgive, church, that's not the norm in our culture. When you're in a situation and somebody has hurt you, And wronged you, and you're slow to anger, and you are quick to forgive, you are going to stand out. And people are going to notice that. And in that moment, you're being slow to anger and quick to forgive. You're not just being godly, but you're in a very real way displaying what God looks like to the world. Same is true for generosity. Okay, The, the whole world has a self centered, me first, me take whatever I can get attitude. And when you make that transition that Paul was talking about from a person that used to steal but no longer steals and now works but doesn't just work for you but now you're working so that you can give. When you make that full progression, I'm telling you, the world is going to notice. And in a very real way, you're not just being godly but you're displaying God to the world. You're displaying his character. And listen, God has set it up this way. God has set it up this way. So that when you display God to the world, they're going to want to know the God you display. Did y'all catch that? He set it up this way so that you as a person walking in the new nature, when you display God to the world, they're going to want to know the God you display. The greatest need of the human heart. The number one greatest need for the human heart is to be in relationship with God and to know God and encounter and experience God. That's why you go after a million different things in this world, it never satisfies you because the Lord put eternity in your heart and the only thing that can satisfy that is eternity. It's the greatest need of your heart. And so when we as a believer, when we display the character of God to people, people see that and they're attracted to it and they don't even know why. And they'll wanna know more great story that a friend of mine, Jesse Reeves, told me. Jesse's one of our pastors here at the church. He was Chris Tomlin's bass player for 17 years. And uh, he's on staff with us now. And he told me the story. So they were on tour. And when you're on tour, I guess you get a per diem from, from the venue or something. But Jesse would get a lot of times a $100 per diem for the day or the week or something. And they would just give him a $100 bill. And then when he came home, a lot of times, it would hit him that he just forgot that he had the $100 bill. In his pocket, it was in his, and so he would just use his own credit card to pay for stuff, and he had heard a sermon by our mutual friend, Neil McClendon, um, kind of before he went on this trip and got the $100 per diem, he'd heard basically the guy teach on what I'm teaching today that, that generosity doesn't, we're not just generous to be generous, but generosity actually shows the world a picture of who God is, and he got back from tour, and he was going to Mahdi's, because that's what you do when you come back from tour is you go to Mahdi's, Mexican food, and he saw his uh, the guy that was the server there that was always his server because apparently Jesse goes to Marty's a lot and ordered his food. They ate. Ticket came. He paid for the the food. He went ahead and put the tip that he would normally put on the card. And then he was sitting there. It hit him. I have a $100 in my wallet. And he remembered Neil's sermon about how generosity displays the character of God. And he took the $100 bill. He stuck it into the ticket on top of the the, the thing that he'd already given the waiter, and he left. And he came back a few days later, and um, the waiter, which he had seen several times and served on several times, walked right up to him and looked at him and said, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And uh, Jesse was able to tell him, well, man, I, I actually heard a sermon the other day about how that one of the ways that that I can display... The character of God is generosity because God has been so generous to me through Jesus. And the next thing out of the guy's mouth was, well, where do you go to church? And Jesse was able to tell him, I go to the Austin Stone Community Church. And guys, the guy started coming to church. And I don't know if he got saved or not. I don't know the story past that, but I'm telling you, that is the result That when you display, when you walk in the new nature, when you display God's character, there is a part of every human being. The Lord said it's there. That will be at least interested in what it is they're seeing because it's not the norm. And that's exactly, I think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about and what he meant in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. When Jesus said this, he said, you are the light of the world. You are are the light of the world. In a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, you light a lamp and you put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. Jesus said in verse 16 to us, he said, in that same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. When you put on a new nature, church, when you put it on, when you walk in truthfulness, when you walk in forgiveness, when you walk in generosity, it displays the character of God to people and people will want to know the God you display. And so I'll end with this. Some of you, at the beginning of this sermon today, heard the stuff about misappropriation and it hit you like it hit me that man, I I am a thief. I still worship. I still glory. I still this, this and that. The scripture says, let the thief no longer steal. That's the new nature. Others have you learned today that the mark of a person walking in new nature in Christ is not a taker, but a giver. If that's where you are that you realize, I'm a taker. I don't look primarily to the needs of others. I look primarily to my needs. If that's where you are, real simple application today, ask God to change you. Ask God to change you. Ask him to help you walk in your new nature so that you can display God's character and people will want to follow the God you display. All right, let's pray together. Take just a second and do that if you need to. Ask God to help you walk in the new nature in this arena. Ask Him to do it. And ask Him to let your light shine. Let your light shine in such a way that people would see the way that you live and in turn give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, with your heads bowed, it would be awesome if maybe you just took a second and asked the Lord specifically today for you to have that kind of encounter like Jesse had. That just say, God, would you let me not only walk in the new nature, but Lord, would you let me have an encounter that when I'm walking in my new nature, somebody would see that and want to know you. Ask him for that. He might just give it to you. Father, none of us can do this in our own power, our own strength, and I think the words new creation are there for a reason, because we didn't create it, but you created us, and so Lord, I pray that you would create in us that ability and that power to walk in our new natures, created in the image of God. Lord, we love you, we praise you, I thank you God for your word and its clarity, I thank you that we come across verses like this, we think they don't apply to us, but they do, I thank you that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're going to stand, God. We're going to praise you, Father. I pray you would be honored and glorified in our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's worship him.